Hello there and welcome. I'm so glad that you've joined us for service today. My name is James Wheeler and I'm the worship pastor here at the Church of Grace and Peace. And today in just a minute, I'm going to be finishing our series, True Followers, with a message titled, Show Up Like Jesus. But before I do that, I want to do what our video host said we're going to do and that is pray a prayer of thanksgiving over our offerings today. So let's pray. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for everyone gathered to hear the message of the Word of God today. I thank you for the vision of the Church of Grace and Peace. And I thank you so much for all the faithful givers, those people who are sacrificially giving, trusting you with their treasure. And Lord, I pray a blessing on them. I pray an abundant blessing that you would supply everything that they need to live to do the work of the gospel of the kingdom in the earth today. And I thank you that you're going to supply everything the church of grace and peace needs. Not just by a little, but in abundance according to your word. And I thank you so much for that in Jesus' name. Amen. So we've been talking about what it means to be a true follower. And I guess we could say that maybe there's some followers that aren't really all in and maybe they're not true followers. But we have to look at this idea and something we need to understand about following Jesus. If our goal and desire is to be a true follower of him, and that is it has to do with aligning our words and our actions. Because Jesus not only taught us, he modeled what he was teaching. So in that light, we know we're following Jesus, not just when we learn what he taught, but when we begin to also do what he did, when we begin to live like he did. Because living like he did shows we've learned what he taught. Am I making sense? My dad was a builder, and he could merely talk to me about building Or he could demonstrate that he knew about building. And it wasn't until I smashed my thumb and I did it a number of times with him, I didn't really learn how to drive a nail like him. See, we drove nails together. So now, if you see me driving a nail, you know that I learned from my dad, who was a master nail driver. Because knowing isn't doing, but doing demonstrates knowing. And I can do what my dad did because he modeled what he was teaching me about building and construction. So thinking about that, I've got three big questions today to help us become intentional about not just knowing what Jesus taught, but doing what Jesus did. So here's our questions today. Number one, what did Jesus do? Secondly, What can we do that Jesus did? And finally, what does that look like? The main passage of scripture that I want to use to help us kind of sort out answers to these questions is found over in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 19. And I'm going to read from verses 1 through 10. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him 
since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. There's a lot in that short story. There's a lot in that account. But I just want to look at a couple things that are going to answer our questions today. So let's look at these things and see what the Word of God has to say for us. Number one, what did Jesus do? And I have an answer for that question based on what we just read. And that is this. He lived for the lost, not for the church. Now, before anyone gets upset about that last statement, not for the church, please understand, I'm not throwing the church under the bus here. I want us to realize that if the church looks only inward and cherishes itself for all the great things we represent, but we lose sight of our mission to go into the world and make disciples, then we've missed the point of our existence as the church, the hope of the world today. And if we look closely and if we follow Jesus through the gospel accounts, we will see consistently that everywhere Jesus went, he was attempting to liberate both people who were trying to use religion to get an advantage, as well as those people who were disadvantaged and bound by religion and the religious leaders of the day. So stay with me on this. Jesus was and is always after reclaiming the lost and inviting all of us into restored relationship with him. The text we just looked at said Zacchaeus was up in a fig tree. The fig tree, you need to know, throughout scripture was a type of Israel as a nation. And in another account in the Bible, Jesus cursed the fig tree because it wasn't bearing fruit. Why did he do that? He didn't do that because he was hungry and having a bad day. He did that as a prophetic statement against what the nation had become under the worst version, listen, the worst version of Old Covenant law. Because the loudest voices in leadership in his day had become religious oppressors instead of fruit bearers for the kingdom. But like Zacchaeus, we often try to get a glimpse of Jesus and try to get to him through religion by propping ourselves up on this construct of do's and don'ts. But Jesus is saying to you and I, he's saying to us, get out of that tree and have a relationship with me. Over in Mark chapter 2, verse 17, we read, On hearing this, Jesus said to them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous but sinners. That leads us to our second question. If that's what Jesus did, then here it is. What can we do that Jesus did? 
And the answer to that is the same. We can live for the lost and not just for the church. 2 Corinthians 5.18 confirms this and challenges us and encourages us with this. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. Please understand, the reason that we're free is to help free others. Free people, free people. If we remember how lost we were and still are at times, and I'm raising my, my hand on that, maybe we can regain a passion to help people find the answers a relationship with Jesus as Lord and Savior really has to offer. Now let me give you a simple, my definition here of the lost, the definition of lost. I would define lost as anyone or anything that isn't experiencing freedom in Christ Jesus. And that really paints it with a broad, broad stroke brush there. So let's look, look over at Luke 4, 18 and what the power of this freedom is that Jesus has given us. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind to set the oppressed free. We need to be reminded that the worst outcome of religion often manifests as oppression. We can just see it throughout history. Religion can be an oppressor and it can make you and I behave like an oppressor as well. Because listen, hear this, this truth. Religious rules without relationship produces rebellion against the real, against the authentic, against an authentic relationship with Jesus. See, it doesn't lead people to relationship. It will actually drive them away from it. It's my belief that we have an epidemic of second generation Christ followers who for some reason didn't get enough of the reality and understanding of a relationship in their Christian upbringing. Because an authentic relationship with Jesus, it doesn't deny doubts. It faces them, it welcomes the hard questions, and invites grace and help to be a part of our faith journey. It invites Jesus to be present and at the center of our lives, even in the questioning. It's really unfortunate, but religion oftentimes represses doubt as sin instead of realizing it's an invitation to go deeper. And as a result, those unanswered or those denied questions have left a generation shipwrecked and questioning the legitimacy of the founder's faith. And I believe anyone who is a part of that lost generation, they're also a part of the lost that we should be living for and trying to reach just like Jesus did. So let's try and answer this final question today that I posed. What does that look like? In other words, what does it look like to live for the lost and not just for the church, to be a part of our fellowship and our gathering and our worship? But how do we keep targeted and aimed at the lost? Well, how do we identify the lost? It's not what we might think. We need to be very careful here. It isn't about putting people 
in buckets and categories of who's more sinful than us or who's not as good as us or what their behavior or lifestyle choices are. It's about being a real representative of Jesus. And when we do that, then something wonderful, something amazing can happen. The lost will show up when Jesus shows up. In other words, they're going to find you and I as long as we're visible and available. Have you ever heard the phrase that the student is ready? When the student is ready, the teacher appears. See, people are supposed to see a change in you and I. They're supposed to see that you're on a journey, not that you're perfect, but that your trajectory is different because of Jesus. They're supposed to sense grace, forgiveness, compassion, character. They're supposed to see some spiritual fruit and many other evidences of your relationship with Jesus. And all that, because of the presence of Jesus in your life, should draw a crowd. For some reason, I don't know if this is a good thing or, or not, but for some reason, the way I dress and the way I carry myself at times will make people think in public that somehow, like I am an employee at a store. Uh, it's caused some humorous interactions. I'll just be minding my business at Kohl's or Macy's and someone will ask, hey, do you work here? Um, I don't have the name tag, but they think I work there. Or they'll just ask me like, where are the appliances located? They won't even ask if, if I work there. They'll just assume. And if I'm honest, there are times when I really want to mess with people in that situation. Um, sometimes I just, I don't say anything. I don't deny working there. I just say, yeah, I think it's over here or, or whatever. But other times I just say, you know what? I don't know. I don't work here. But let's find what you're looking for together. Let's go get you some help. I'll find a store employee or I'll, I'll walk them through it. See, just like that, just how people somehow want to ask me if I work there or want me to answer a question. When you're around people who are lost and they notice something different in you and about you, you're going to get all kinds of questions. See, your life example will start to answer some of those questions, but if you don't have the answer, that's fine. You just have to say, I don't know, but I know who has the answer. Let's go find out together. Let's follow Jesus together. Let's look in Luke 5:15, the Gospel of Luke here, at another passage that helps support this. It says, Yet the news about him spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. So this is the question. How do we show up like Jesus? In other words, how will people know when Jesus shows up through us? Again, this isn't that complicated. It's very simple. You can show up like Jesus when you let people into your life. Just like Jesus did with Zacchaeus. Let people into your life. Be a part of the lives of those around you. See, when I become a part of the lives of my neighbors, then just like we read in this passage, salvation has come to their house. Because Jesus in me is the path 
to salvation for them. And all you need to do is be the best you that you can be, full of grace with all your imperfections. And I know you've got some, so do I. We need to be humble. We just need to be transparent. And the Holy Spirit will help us share what needs to be shared when it needs to be shared. Another thought here is that you can show up like Jesus if you show them your relationship with Jesus, not religion, rituals, or routine. It's so tempting to lead with, I've got the answers, look what we do, this is our habit, this is our custom. But listen, they don't need to know your rules. They don't need to care about what you know. They need to know that you care about them. They don't need to know what you think about them. They need to know what Jesus thinks about them. And that's such a challenge for us. Today's social media and even the news culture is all about the immediate evaluation of, of what I think about you and your position rather than what does Jesus think? What does love think about the person? So today, if you've just started following Jesus or if you've been following him for a long, long time, the things I'm sharing, this simple concept, never changes. It might not be the easiest thing to do, but I want to encourage you. I want to invite you to just start showing up like Jesus and let him do what he wants to do. If you're watching today and you're, you're not already, already there, I want to invite you and encourage you to, to head over to graceandpeace.org and, and check the next steps page and see about taking some steps towards a relationship with Jesus today. You'll be able to find the notes for my message and these next steps. So here they are, very simple, very practical. Give your life to Jesus for the first time. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, if you haven't invited him in, we'll be able to help you walk through that in a very practical, powerful way. And if you've been uh, serving him for a while, but you need to refresh your relationship with him, give your life over to him again today. The second next step that you could take is plan to interact with a coworker or neighbor in a relational seeking way. Just show up like Jesus be there for them. And this last part of our text today, we can memorize Luke 19.10, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. That's something we always have to have in the forefront of our minds. And it helps me not only to have a scripture, but to have a confession that's based on that scripture. So this is another thing that you could do. And this would be the confession. The mission of Jesus was to seek and save the lost so I will be intentional about seeking and saving the lost in his name and for his glory. Well, I pray that message was an encouragement to you today. And I hope that you can join us again next time, either online or in person at the Church of Grace and Peace.